Hello once again and welcome to Tammy Ginders. This week, Howard and I have another look round a very historic building which has a massive influence on the way we cook here in the Isle of Man. It does indeed. You're learning more about laughter. I know. What makes us laugh? It's not always what it should be, maybe. And an honoured guest from a time past. Well... But first off, yes, we were going to... Well, we're going to venture back down to the flour mills again, where we had a fantastic time a couple of weeks ago, once we found the way in, uh, and a tour. We were looking at the new packing devices down there, but we also had the chance of a bit of a, a tour around the building itself. Yeah, it was wonderful. Jason Duke, who's the mill manager down there, agreed to take us around and offered, offered actually, to take us around, which was just brilliant. We were donning our white coats and very, very fetching little blue caps, um, which I got to keep mine, actually. You opted not you to. Yes. Yeah, still have it going to come in very useful i'm sure uh, but yes he took us through a very exciting door first of all okay so where are we heading now inside here all oh, right i'll follow you all oh, right so this is in yeah through one of the big green doors which you can sort of see if you if you're driving over the arches you can look across past the big silos and you can see this sort of green door coming in here okay but basically underneath these are the rolls which you'll see, I'll send, you'll see when you go upstairs in a second. But these are just the pipes after the rolls, which then get blown, the flour then gets blown back, the product gets blown back up to the top floor, back into a sifter, which, as I said, you'll see when we go up there. And do you have a team of engineers who sort of have to check everything all the time? Or? No, the five guys that work here were trained in every department, so, and we're on a rotor, so a monthly rotor, so one month someone will be in the mill, someone will be in the packing room, someone will be in the screen room, and therefore it changes on. So therefore... If there's any issues or anyone's off, sick or on holiday, someone else can step in. Perfect. So here we are. So we're down in the basement and then we're going to... And then we're heading upwards. I think we're going upwards this way, yeah? Painting there is good, isn't it? That's a cracker, isn't it? That was actually found in a garage down there. Oh, was it? Wow. So a wonderful painting on the far wall there. And uh, some of the rollers, I think, there as well. And we're just going to head up the stairs. So I'll follow Beth in her best flower shoes. Here we go on some of the bins there. So these two so you can bins see here, this is what we use for our bulk flour for Ramsey Bakery. So that's where we make our Manx Queen flour, which Ramsey Bakery take. So when we're milling, we're filling, we're filling those bins, and then obviously when the tanker comes back, the, ta- the tanker then fills from those bins up to Ramsey. Magic. So there's two bins marked in front of us here. You've got the flower scale on the left, bin one, bin two, and another massive room. Yes, it's uh, quite impressive and pipes everywhere, as you can imagine. There's so much going on in here, but it's really tidy, isn't it? It just feels like... Yeah, yeah, we have know, to it's... keep on top of the cleanliness because obviously it's a food manufacturing. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Wow. So we'll just go past here. So, yes, lots of sort of shiny pipes everywhere. You see some of the grain coming through uh, some Perspex windows into some of these machines here. And just walking around the side. So this is basically wheat before it's been uh-huh. rolled through. It will then go through the rolls. If you look in here, there's right. rolls underneath here. So you want to come and feel these rolls. Are... So Beth's just going to stick her head in there. Well, not her head, hopefully. If you feel the rolls there, they're like uh, etched, yeah? yeah. So the wheat, that, the wheat will pass through them. Wow. And then it will sh- shave the wheat. 
Then it goes to the pipes at the bottom, as you see a minute ago. Okay. Back up. Yeah. Into second brake. So then this product here is basically the wheat that's gone through. Right, so that's been, yeah, yeah. Same principle again. Obviously it gets ground down again, shelved off again. Right, so this is the second one here, so you can see the grains now being mashed up into a sort of rough powder, as it were, and then go through another mill, and then through onto this side, another machine here, which brings it down again. again. And you can see it, like I said, so there's just these sort of perspex viewing windows on top, and you can see the flower piled up there on top of these sizable machines with a roller sort of underneath, which Beth was looking at before. So there's a sort of up-down process, yeah. so it sort of blows up and down the pipes a bit. That's when you realise just how much of a difference machinery has made with this what, sort of industry. Than doing the big stone and the yeah. 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 Which is what I do at home, obviously. Clearly. And then these rolls from this side onwards are what we call the reduction rolls. So they're rather than they're, they're smooth rolls, they're not serrated, and they're they're ground, they're ground in the open enclosure, different sort of ratios and cat and spaces. So that's how the, their flower gets pressed. So you can see it's the same product what's become through and Yeah, much, much finer now. It's more like a very fine sort of uh, satin. Is she making a mess? So here's a very fine sort of sand-like flower. Now, really a fine mix. And then we're going up one more level. So it's all, as you can imagine, that building is a good size, you can see from the road. I'm now going up to the third story. Absolutely brilliant. What a magnificent place. So lovely to have a look inside somewhere that, as you say, Howard, you've seen very often from the road, but to have a sneaky peek inside is just brilliant. So many thanks to Jason and all the uh, team down at the Laxey Flower Mill for that. Roswell, the thought we got a bit more in a moment, including fantastic Health of Skelter, which we were quite tempted to push. No, I won't, I won't give it away. <laughs> uh, right. Speaking of chuckling, as I seem to do a lot during this programme, no. I know it's more of a cackle, isn't it? I listen back sometimes and just think, oh dear. It's a thought um, of that little blue hat. I know, it? that's what it is. But it got me thinking, okay, about what actually makes us laugh. And this is something that, um, I don't know, you get involved in quite a lot here on the station. You are a fan of the bloopers, aren't you? You kind of like looking out for those little nuggets that really shouldn't have happened, Indeed. but are quite comical. Indeed, yes. Well, it's, it's what life, makes life worthwhile, isn't it, being able to laugh? For what do we live but to laugh at our neighbours and make sport for them in our turn? Absolutely. And it's programmes like, I don't know, It'll Be All Right in the Night. I used to absolutely love that show with Dennis Norden. There are some uh, ones that would still make me laugh if I uh, watched them again nowadays. But I really did start thinking about what it is that actually does make us laugh. Why do we do it? What is it that sort of connects us in that way? So I've been talking to Stephanie Davis from Laughology and asked her that very question. Why do we laugh? So, yeah, there's been lots of research into this um, and there's lots of different things that make people laugh. Um, and what we know about laughter is it is mainly a social thing that we have and we've developed as human beings. The thing is, is that, you know, we see comedians and stuff on the telly, but not everybody laughs at the same thing, do they? So, no. And so what we're talking about here is humour. So humour is the cognitive processing of the outward energy, which I suppose is laughter. Um, so laughter is a social interaction to let somebody know that you've enjoyed something or even that you're nervous or frightened. Um, <clears throat> there's lots of different emotions related to laughter, whereas humour is, is how we process that information. And because humour is learnt, laughter isn't, laughter is innate. Um, humour is learnt through our upbringing, which is why we all have a different sense of humour, that we laugh at different things. So that's why some people might have a darker sense of humour and find things that might be a little bit 
wrong for me. Absolutely, yeah. And also, you'll find a lot of comedians on the circuit is when you have been doing comedy for a long time, your sense of humour does get darker because humour generally is based on surprise. So the unexpected, it takes you down one route and it's the unexpected. So the more you get to know humour and you unpick it and you do lots of it and see lots of it, you can kind of work out where it's going. So the darker it is and the more unexpected it is, that tends to be what happens. And do you think as you get older, you kind of lose your sense of humour in some ways? Because you see kids and they seem to be laughing all the time, whereas adults seem to control it a lot better. So, yeah, the children do laugh at things more, and that's to do with the unexpected, because as adults, we, we know what's happening. So it's the classic peekaboo for children. So um, peekaboo is hilarious for children because it's the first time that they've seen it. And then when you start to see that be lost in, in probably a little bit older than toddlers, it's because they've become used to it. So as adults, we get a lot more used to things. So it, we don't have a lot of the unexpected, which is why we probably laugh a little bit less. Can you teach yourself to laugh more as you get older? You can actually go around and, and teach yourself to laugh, to, to have a sense of humour, therefore have the laughter output. Um, but the more you input into you around what makes you laugh and understand what makes you laugh and seek out things that make you laugh, the more you're going to switch on that part of the brain. So absolutely, you can learn to laugh more. And with laughology, that's the sort of thing you go into to workplaces and to, you know, I mean, you've worked with some really mm. big companies, just kind of. I suppose, getting people to find that inner child again. So, yeah, we're a learning and development company, essentially. And so we do everything from transformation programmes to um, workshops around emotional intelligence. But essentially, what we look at is, A, that learning can be fun, um, because when we laugh, we learn better. The neurotransmitters associated with learning are dopamine, oxytocin, serotonin and endorphins. When you laugh, they happen. So um, when we laugh, I, I call it sticky learning, so that learning sticks more because you're more likely to remember it because you've enjoyed it and it was fun. Um, so that's our basis, but also that at the heart of every single organisation there's a human being and if you want them to be innovative, they absolutely need to get back to that um, imagination and that fun. As someone who's worked on the comedy circuit and now works in this as a, as a full-time business, do you feel a lot of pressure to be funny all the time? <laughs> yeah, and it's the one thing I always get asked in interviews. Um, it's tells your favourite joke. Um, and also, I guess, when I'm, when I'm presenting, I, I switch it on and, and I, I'll do a lot of conferences where I'm speaking to two, 300 people. And with an audience like that, you can have a lot of fun. But then you're often asked to stay for dinner afterwards. And then people sit around the table staring at you as if, come on then, make me laugh, you know. And and you do switch it on and, and switch it off. Um, so, yeah, people do expect you to be funny all the time. And I am, often. <laughs> Just finally then, is it okay to laugh in situations which really shouldn't be funny because that's, um, I'm not saying I suffer from this, but I have heard that people get an innate desire to laugh at things um, when they really shouldn't so as we get older we have more control over our, our laughter um, however the same part of the brain that produces laughter is the same part of the brain that is responsible for our emotional output so the limbic system and sometimes the limbic system takes over and especially when we're stressed or nervous or anxious that can be an output so there's never a point to say it's wrong to laugh at that situation what I would always say because sometimes that's a coping skill especially in the emergency services they have quite a severe sense of humour but that's their armour so they can 
step out, step up and get to the next thing. But what I would always say is it's about being aware of who and what is around you at that time. Um, And, you know, if you need to take yourself out the room, take yourself out the room, because sometimes that's our coping mechanism. And we, you know, it's not to say that it's right or wrong. What is wrong is laughing at people. Um, you know, and using it as a as a negative and a, a, as an evil. Um, but you know, there are lots of fine lines within that that you could talk about for hours. But it is about using it as a force for good. Using laughter as a force for good. You should have your own cape in that case, I reckon. <laughs> you reckon? Yeah, I, I do. I do tend to laugh as much as I can. I find it difficult to take things seriously. And I only have to look at my face and I see all these crease lines around the side, which is uh, usually a good sign that you've been laughing too much, I think, when the side of your eyes are sort of creased up with crow's feet. People who are very serious tend to have smoother skin. Yeah, but I think there's something lovely. Isn't there Roald Dahl who sort of talks about um, if you think happy thoughts and it shows in your face? And I think um, a face that is well-worn in that way, that has seen a a lot of laughter, I think is a much better thing. I was going to ask you for your favourite joke. I'm betting, though, that it's probably not broadcastable. I listened to you chuckling already. How did you guess? Yeah, yeah. I have guessed, yeah. It is true. It involved a child's sponge in a book. I'm not going to tell No, it. don't tell us. Right, uh, this is Tamagindis well. on Manx Radio. If you'd like us to come and explore something that you've always wondered about, then do get in touch um, and pose the question for us. One thing I was wondering about is, could we work out which is the oldest building in Douglas? Oh, well, uh, uh, Mr. Peter Kelly used to be expert at that yeah. sort, of th- sort of things and from the Victorian Society and such like. And um, there are some pretty old ones kicking around. Yeah. Uh, there's some old pubs obviously around the Arbor Manor as well. Um, well just the island is full of classic buildings and we are trying to get access to one or two of them. And I know you're working on at the moment and I'm hoping, uh, which is my wish, I've always wanted to go down and we see if we could do a little bit of filming again in one of the old and nuclear defence shelters. There are still a few kicking around. I remember our compatriot Stuart having a paddle around one of those quite a few moons ago now when he was still in short pants. <laughs> uh, but it would be nice really just to bring that up to date and see which ones are still left and we can get in there. If you've got any thoughts, drop us a line there. Beth at maxradio.com or Howard. And uh, we've always uh, full of <laughs> admiration for anyone who gives us some great ideas because it's... A programme where, yeah, you know, we'll we'll try out whatever's going, really. A blank canvas, I suppose. Yeah, anything goes. You can find our email addresses on the Manx Radio website if you're uh, struggling with the spelling of either of them. Ah, no, it's tricky. Now then, back to Laxey, because we did have a great wander around there. And, yes, we'd gone through the door at the beginning. We went up. It just went on and on as we paddled around with these pipes everywhere. There were tubes everywhere. And a curious little helter-skelter coming up, if you keep listening. Pipes everywhere. It's amazing. This little kit here is our stones. So maybe eight eight years ago, we introduced a new line, stone ground flower, stone ground wholemeal flower. So this has got a set of stones in it, like the traditional way we're milling, set of stones. So this pipe here goes down to first break, which I showed you the the week before the first roll. Yeah, yeah. We can just divert it here, the wheat there, which then passes through the stones and then back to first break. So it's literally just getting an extra ground through the stones. We can then call it stone ground flower. And is this all centrally controlled, all by levers on the various bits of kit? So it's just once you turn it on, they just yeah. two stones are to spin, and we just dive it in. Yeah, that's yeah, amazing, yeah. isn't it? You wouldn't believe it's at the sort of well, there's another level yet. Yes, more yes. I thought we'd hit the top. There's one more story. Before we go. These bins here, these wooden, this wooden wall. Yeah, yeah. That's actually there. Actually, are eight um, conditioning bins. So there's, there's wheat in them stored, and that, that's the wheat that we use to mill. Oh, so it's like a sort of giant Jenga set in front of us there. Very impressive. 
and we're up one more story. Wow. And here we are, I think on the top, with some bins. Oh no, there is another flight of stairs, but I think that just goes to the attic space. A wheat scale here. More bins there. Wow. So that's the wheat in there, is it? Yes, the wheat comes in from silos into the screenhouse. Wow. And then this is where it enters the mill in this elevator here. Yeah. And then it gets conditioned. Oh, there it's through there. Water, which softens up the wheat before milling. Wow. That's amazing, isn't it? It is, isn't it? It's so quiet at the moment, but I can imagine when everything's whirring, it's probably not. Oh, yeah. You have to <laughs> no, I can imagine that. That's amazing. And then there's... Okay. Down there. So an amazing place, like I said, from outside it looks... Uh, well, it's, as it has been, it's an historic building, and yet inside it's full of quite a lot of this high-tech gear. It is all big sifter. So do you know how we see all the pipes stepping down the basement and then the, yeah. it's getting brought back up? If you look up the top there, uh, yeah. there's a load of different cyclones. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's where, those, that's where those pipes go, down into the sifter. And then this, as pretty much a sifter would be at home, this, when it's on, it shakes, shakes like yeah. so. Wow. That'd be so not, you can see it, yeah. Just, wow. Yes, that'd be a serious bit of kits when it gets going. Yeah, and then... Sometimes you have to climb underneath these pipes. It's pretty tall to put on. You've got to climb underneath there and get samples from the pipes. Oh uh, these pipes. If you look up and it's yeah, shaking <laughs> It's going. Yeah. Oh. Rather you than me. <laughs> yeah, what a thought. That sounds like a job for a child, Beth. It does actually. It's a good job we've got one with us. Fancy that, Ben? Yeah. Yes. He's a brave lad. Right, so we're just going round the corner here. Still staying on the same level on this one. And... Oh! So basically, so then what would happen in here, oh, then, in here. Wow. is when we get an order, an order in, the guys would wheel the truck, uh, get the truck wheel the fellow out. Yeah. Stack it round here. And then at the bottom, at the bottom, at the bottom, basement of the mill, there's a guy who will be down there palletising with a bell. He'll ring the bell. The flower then gets chucked down. Down you hold the skeleton to the bottom. It gets palletised at the bottom. <laughs> Have you ever been tempted to go down at Jason? I couldn't possibly say. OK, just checking. Just checking. <laughs> that would be too tempting, wouldn't it? It is very tempting. <laughs> there is a big gird at the bottom, though. Not so tempting like, now. Which yeah. would probably oh. take your head off if you... Oh. <laughs> but it is small. I think if you put your head back like that, you'd be all right, but... Can I go down and ring the bell? <laughs> <laughs> See if someone will give you a healthy shove. I'd stop you, honestly. <laughs> Doesn't trust me. So as you say before, when you asked the question about how does the flower get to the back? It is so quite literally like a healthy skeleton.
It was. I wish that. Did we get a picture of that? I can't remember. We have got it, a photograph of that. That'll be on the Max Radio Facebook page. You can't. Skeleton. Yeah, you can't really see it very well because you can only see it from the top. We didn't get down uh, right to the bottom where it is, but apparently there is that girder yeah. right at the bottom, which is why I didn't push you down it. Well, I, see, I don't think I would have gone. You probably of small frame would go down there, all right. And we had a friendly child. I think probably would have volunteered. You would have loved he was, it. He was busy filming, uh, <laughs> doing something far more useful. I got the impression Jason has actually tried it at some stage. I got that yeah. impression. But health and safety well. being what it is. Yeah. You're not allowed to, to say, say these that. Days. No, no, exactly. We're not going to dob him in it. Perish the thought. Um, <laughs> but wonderful, uh, wonderful place. Yes. I hope you've got a few more ideas. If you're driving past there now, rather than just thinking, "Oh, that's a nice old building," perhaps you've got a little bit more idea of what goes on in there. <laughs> Well, now on Tammy Gindis, time for our weekly challenge. And uh, Howard is brandishing a ruler. Yes, we're doing um, static electricity. And it's, there's several of these kicking around. If you see some of them on YouTube again, it's, you've probably done the balloon sticking to the ceiling. And I was trying one. Actually, we, we might try at some stage trying to bend the line of water. This one is, is one we're trying to, like a compass, trying to get the needle, if you can see it in there, it's a... A cocktail stick, or toothpick as they seem to be called these days, balancing on a coin. And the theory is you can get enough static on a sort of ruler that this isn't probably just going to generate enough to actually get it to move through the glass. Now, obviously you have to generate a bit of static, so we need to give it a bit of a healthy rub. You can try this at home, kids. I love the fact that when you said you were going to do this one today, you asked me if I had a balloon on me. Well, I mean, yeah. I thought, see, I don't think it's going to work through here, getting this to move. It's not. You see, I think this glass is just a tad too thick, and this is a bit too thin, so we're not getting enough of a charge. So what I was reckon, supposed to happen well, is... you should be able to get it to move, you see. So if we take the jar off... Do you need to charge up your ruler again? See, that goes now. Ooh, oh, look at that. Now... Yeah, hey. it's fine. So it, it does actually work. It, it's more dramatic if you can do it through the glass, obviously. And generally, I think it's all to do with thickness of the glass, how long the point of the stick is, where the charge goes, and getting something like a really good rod to generate lots of static electricity. Typically, of course, when I'm wandering around Manx Radio, I quite often get static static shocks. And when you want a static shock, you can't get one. Towards the way, in any case. You can do it with a bending of water as well, which we might try at some, uh, some stage. But it's, uh, yes, and the, those of you who did science, Van de Graaff generators, you remember those, you'd get the blonde-haired kid to stand with the Van de Graaff generator, you'd wind it up and his hair would go, marvellous. So is that just because we are full of electricity and then we react? It's just building up a static charge, isn't it? Yeah, so with this one, you're building up a static charge, you're grounded and then it just... Pulse, it'll do things like the hair. I think it'll normally sort of bring your hair up a little bit. Would you be able to get there. a static charge in your hair with that ruler? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Right, try that. Let's try it. Let's see, it depends obviously if your hair's wet, it won't work, and if your hair's greasy, which mine probably is. <laughs> or in fact, if you're going thin on top, it won't. Does that, does that go in? It should just sort of go a little bit. Uh, no, well, yes. Maybe a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, maybe a little bit. We'll, shall we say yes? I don't know, you're looking. <laughs> I think it would work better with a balloon, that, wouldn't it? It would. I, ca- I can't believe you didn't have a balloon on you. That is, yes, a failing on my part. But it is. A- another great... I look at you, I always think, balloon, she's bound to have some. Yeah, a great challenge. So what we need, we've decided, is a slightly thinner... So we could try it again, maybe, with yeah, a thinner jar. Thinner or jar. we could try, if I can get a, a better rod, we could try seeing if we can bending a column of water. How's that? <laughs> that sounds like a great challenge for next week. I cannot wait. Keep rubbing, kids. <laughs> Now then, 
another feature we do on a regular basis on this program is have our um, what do we call it lucky dip I suppose normally which is where we go along the corridor down the wood just two minutes no two seconds down the corridor from this studio into the archive which is laden with all sorts of oral goodies there are tapes there are cylinders there are cassettes there are um, all sorts of old formats, some of whom are difficult to play these days, particularly when you haven't got a wind-up gramophone. Anyway, we just have a rummage, pull something out virtually at random, and uh, I got a cassette. Do you, know, do you know what they are? I know what they are, but I did actually show one of my children a cassette and they hadn't got a clue. It's that thing, isn't it? You see these posts on social media. If you show um, a child a cassette and a pencil, they wouldn't have a clue what the connection between the two are. No, this is very... Although I'm told they're back in fashion again, rather like uh, vinyl at the moment. Anyway, cassette it is. We can play cassette just about, so uh, bear with me. There might be a bit of humming and such like, but this is going back from 1975 and a voice you might recognise. That's the click. It's working. Thank heavens. Mr President, honoured guests, my lords, ladies and gentlemen... I claim your attention now for the Right Honourable Edward Heath, member of the most excellent order of the British Empire, one of Her Majesty's Privy Councillors, and a member of Parliament who will reply. Mr Heath. Mr President, Your Excellency, Chairman of the Appeals Committee, ladies and gentlemen, It really is extraordinarily pleasant to be here tonight, to have come to this island, and to be joining with you on this occasion. And I'd like to thank you for the very warm welcome which you've given to me, not only in the speech which you've just heard, but individually at earlier stages of the evening, whether it was a small reception or the larger reception or the big reception or the final reception or the dinner itself. Through all of which stages I have passed in a rather <laughs> remarkable speed. It shows a high degree of efficiency developed in this island in your social activities. And uh, it has been very pleasant for me to come back. There have been many who said, ah, oh, it's your first occasion here. But I was here on a previous occasion when I was Prime Minister, which passed unnoticed. And. Uh, <laughs> Now then, did you recognise that voice? I think I know who it is. Edward Heath, Sir Edward Heath, Ted Heath, as he was known. Great speaker, isn't he? A fantastic voice, yes. And known for being a great composer and also a sailor. And that was 1975, October, would you believe it? More next week, of course. Look after yourselves. Bye-bye.